We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About, about, about. What's going on, world? You are tuned in to episode 31 of Brunch Culture. I'm your homeboy, Randall Keith, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Lisa Victoria. What's up, world? All right, y'all, so let's kick off with this week in review. Lisa, let us know what the first thing that we have on the menu. So... This week um, on Brunch Culture, we have Free Community College by our beloved president, President Barack Obama. Um, he introduced this, and it's something that he's going to talk about further in his State of the Union. But, it, of course, a lot of people love the concept. A lot of people didn't like it. Um, I'm on the side of the GOP because I am a registered Republican. Um, but I tell pe- I'm starting to tell people I'm a conservative liberal. Uh, because I, <laughs> I think for myself, so sometimes I'm with the GOP, sometimes I'm with the Democratic Party, um, on certain issues, I fluctuate, and the benefit of me not being a politician is I can do whatever the heck I want, so, <laughs> that's free. one of, <laughs> free thought, I don't have to pick, so, um, on this issue, I kind of sided with the president, um, because, I'm a recipient of, of not a recipient. I was involved in the dual enrollment program in high school. So Mm -hmm. I received 12 credit hours for free. Uh, We had to take an exam in high school, see if you could handle um, college courses. And I passed it. And all you had to do was pay a $15 fee and you could take as many college credits as you wanted. And I took 12. I wish I had to take, taken more looking back on it, but I was I was in high school. I didn't know the expensive nature of college. Right. And because um, if I did, I probably would have just taken more, t- taken all I could for free. Um, and my it's funny because my neighbor graduated from high school with his AA. So I was talking to my friend. She works on the Hill. She's a dem yesterday. And I was like, what do you think? And no, she was like, what do I think? And she was like, you know. She calls. She was like, "I know you are you are independent at heart because just how you've been progressing um, politically since your time in D.C." But she was like, "What do you fall on this issue?" And I told her, "I was like, you know, because of dual enrollment, this isn't a far fetched concept. I know mm-hmm. um, President Obama said this is already something that's um, being modeled in Tennessee, and he liked that it was having success in Tennessee." And I was like, having friends that work at for profit colleges and them telling me how they get these students in $20,000 student loan debt to get in these medical technician programs where they're only going to make eight to $10 and people taking advantage of the Pell Grant. Okay. Something needs to be done. Free community college will help undermine this, um, this for-profit college madness we got going on. I know the president was working on that. And also, um, just in equipping people, people are going to defaulting on loans, um, going, um, you know, having all these issues with student loan debt, and there's something that needs to be done. Now, 
granted, I'm not sure if this is the best option, but maybe it will drive the cost of, of tuition down because it's going up to make these colleges more competitive. They can't just keep rising costs if community colleges are free and give people a better option. And it's just like, like I said about dual enrollment, these colleges, this option is already available to high school students. So you're just expanding the option in a sense. So with right. programs like dual enrollment, with programs like, I, I know the Magnet program has the IB program where you're able to earn college credits in high school. Mm -hmm. These are programs that are already in place. And the president is just trying to help um, the stop the bleeding from student loan debt. And right. um, I don't see the, the, honestly, I don't see the party that I'm affiliated with doing much to the, all they're saying is, okay, how are we going to pay for this? How, you know, this whole anti-Obama stance, which is, uh, I mean, it's very political. Yeah, it's political. But yeah. how are we helping the people? Exactly. And, and so I, I just, no. I'm, I, I'm just saying, like, okay, this is already something, you know. And Pell grants. Let the money come from Pell grants. Let people go to school for free and get a part-time job instead of abusing this Pell grant that they're using. And that could be some of the money right there. Exactly. So, you know, and I mean, we, we talked about this off air extensively, but I was so, you know, thankful that of your position, when you, you explain your position to me. Um, and just, you know, for our listeners to know, I think that one, and I've explained this before, very solutions-based, right? So when we start thinking about this high cost of college, right, we start thinking about this idea of the president having this push for America to again be the number one country, the the, top, the country with the uh, the number one country with the most uh, college graduates again. Like this is this push. I think this is all a part of that rhetoric and us pushing the country to that place. Um, but as you mentioned, we do have these predatory for-profit institutions that are getting people in that are ill-equipped to be in college. You're, they're giving people false hopes of you're going to have this career path. You're going to come out making $60,000. dollars you are going to, you know, come out being the CEO and all of this stuff. And those things just aren't true. They don't hold true. And you have people that are coming into society and with with the hope of getting better and being improved. And ultimately what's happening is they are consuming all of this debt that they have to pay off and that they subsequently can't pay off. And again, those those write-offs are being chucked up to the tax, uh, the taxpayers. And it's one thing that these for-profit institutions knows is that government money is guaranteed. So I can guarantee to get this government money. These people qualify for $150,000 of federal lending. So I'm going to get them into my university or whatever college or whatever you call it, uh, my for-profit institution. I'm going to get them in here and I'm going to suck this money out of them. And then they're going to graduate. I remember one of my, uh, business fraternity, my business fraternity brothers, she told me that she was working for a for-profit institution and she had a lady that had accrued $60,000 of debt and she hadn't even received an AA degree. $60,000 of debt and hadn't even received an, an AA degree. And the lady was like arguing with her and I remember she said like, congratulations, ma'am, you're $60,000 in debt and you don't even have an AA degree, AKA there's no possible way that you will be in a financial setup to pay for this. And I think that plans like this, 
the president is moving forward for us to kind of touch on a lot of things and potentially find a solution for that. And another thing that I think that this is going to do, this is something I read an article, and uh, Cecilia Munoz uh, had basically said that, you know, this is going to start the conversation that's going to get states to refocus their their budgets and to get them to have this push on community college. It was mentioned in the article that back in the 90s, states had a large portion of their budgets that were pushed towards community college because states had this understanding that, okay, well, if we keep them local, if people get educated locally, they'll, there's a sense of pride of being here, right? There's a sense of, I'm going to get my AA degree, and that's going to allow me to have a position, to obtain and maintain a position here locally. And so you're boosting the local economy. So states would push community college to do that. Well, enrollment back then wasn't as high as it was uh, now. The cost overall of education was not as high as it was, so it was kind of an easier thing to manage. Well, today, we don't have that, right? You have states that have uh, these—they're now offering four-year degrees, but they, there's not this push to get people coming in because there's so much competition. They got to advertise. It's just something that's not really happening. So, again, you have this situation where people are going in and losing all this money. Um, and so I think it's good from the standpoint— of, and I really think that, you know— this may not be something that's going to happen in this administration um, in the next two years. We only have two years left, uh, less than two years, actually. But there, it may not be something that will happen during this administration, but I think it's going to start the conversation and it's going to start to get make a push, a national push to have this actually be a thing. And there's a, not a lot of places. I got a lot of other countries that offer free or very, very low-cost education. Um, and I think that, you know, us moving to this place, it's only going to make us better. Again, I will like to look at the numbers. I, I would want to see where the plan is to get these dollars from just because I'm a numbers guy. So I want to see it. But I do think I think that this is I you know me. I'm all down for supporting people um, and getting people educated and getting people prepared and equipped to uh, manage themselves and move to the next level. So one thing I didn't I want to make mention of um, it's it's funny because not all Democrats are in favor of this. Um, and I'm sure there's some Republicans that uh, that possess my opinion as well. Right. Um, there was a statement made by a Democratic um, leader. And he basically, you know, made this statement about, you know, these people being in community college aren't succeeding anyway. And it was kind of like a push to the side. And I, I really took issue with that because I'm like, okay, he had an issue with the fact that you only have to maintain a C to, to go to school for free. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, everybody's not going to get an A or B. Some people at their hardest, they're going to get a C. So should they just be pushed to the side? Should they not get free schooling? You know, it's it's just like this whole thing, this whole elite mentality that right. if you can't get the grades, if you can't get an A or B, that you don't deserve college or that you don't deserve a scholarship. How in the world are you going to compete in society without an AA degree or a bachelor's degree? You know, right then you want to complain about the fact that these kids are not doing anything, but then don't allow them to get funding to do something if they can't make the grades. Right. So it's right. just, it's kind of like a catch 22. It's like, dude, for real. 
Right. <laughs> so, uh, the, the other thing that happened this week, which is crazy, and I don't want to spend time that much time on it because again, I could go in on this for a long, for like a long, long time. So, if you if you don't know, if you haven't heard, there was and the NAACP. There was an NAACP building, a very small building. Um, about an hour shy of Denver, Colorado, that there was a bombing. There was a bombing, a bomb placed in front of the building. The bomb went off. Um, nobody, fortunately, uh, died or was physically injured, but there was damage done to the building. I want to say that you know things started like particles start flying through the windows. Stuff, you know, there was there was some physical damage that that happened to the building. But the thing that happened that well that didn't happen is we didn't really hear about this in mainstream media. Um, I can't say I didn't watch the news cycle all day long. Um, I haven't been watching it all day long, but I do tune into it on my TuneIn app while I'm at the office or in the mornings preparing for the preparing to go to work, and I haven't heard anything about it, right? And so it kind of infuriated me when I found out about it, because I found out about this through Facebook, just perusing Facebook. Oftentimes, I'll see a lot of articles with headlines from these like sat satirical website, so I really don't pay much attention to it. So I saw like two articles about this, decided to click on it, read about it, and then I immediately went to Twitter, searched the uh, hashtag, the hashtag NAACP bombing, realized that this is an actual thing, realized that the USA Today posted an article about it, um, MSNBC did eventually have an article about it. And I went to CNN and I searched CNN uh, because they are, and I say CNN not because, I say CNN because they usually are really good with vetting their stories. Now, sometimes they can have a very liberal, very, uh, like they can be on both sides of the aisle at times, but just to know that something is actual, uh, actually a story and a thing, I know that for sure CNN does a lot of vetting to make sure that happens. So when I see it on CNN, I'm kind of like, all right, this is legit. There was one article about it under CNN International tab, right? And so what frustrates me is this is right here. This happened right here in the United States of America. And we mainstream media isn't picking this up. The easy thing to go to is to say that, you know, it's because of the MAACP and the NAACP historically advocates for black people. So it's a racial thing. And I think that that may be an element of it. But one of the things that frustrates me is whatever it is, this is not a mainstream story. Meanwhile, no offense to what happened recently in Paris, the terror attacks, the killing of the police officers there. I think that it's bad. I think that that's something that we should be talking about. But it just blows my mind that this story is across the board everywhere. CNN has constantly been reporting this for the past few days. But again, we haven't heard about this this bombing that happened at the in, in front of the NAACP building. And it frustrates me. I'm... I, I, I'm extremely frustrated because it makes me think about people saying like, oh, this generation only wants to tweet and they only wants to want to be on social media. They don't really want to do real work when social media is the real work. Had it not been for social media, I had I wouldn't have heard about this. I wouldn't know about this. And I was telling as I was telling you earlier, Lisa, I think that that's why we have this whole do it yourself, develop your own content and put it out there for the public. Because if mainstream media is not going to do it for us, then we have to do it for ourselves. If we're not going to be educated and know about these things from mainstream media, then it's our responsibility to use our cell phones, to use our MacBooks and microphones or whatever to get these conversations started and to really move this. Because if they're not, if they're not going to do it, 
they're not going to do it. So if we're not going to do it for ourselves, then it won't be done. So again, I'm sorry. I know that I just really went on this rant, but so go to Twitter, search NAACP bombing. If you haven't heard about it, if you don't know about it, get online, figure out what's going on with this story. And again, put pressure on your local representatives. Start this conversation. Tell your cousin about it. Tell somebody about it so we know, so that we know these things are happening. And these are things that we can bring up to these people that want to represent us because, or to our media outlets. CNN's numbers have been increasingly dwindling over the years because people aren't looking at traditional news. Well, we want to let them know this is why, right? So we're not looking for traditional news because traditional news is not representing the things that impact my community. So once you start to do that, then I'll start to view you more. If you're not going to view that, then guess what? Kick rocks with no socks because I'm not coming at you. I'm going to the people that's actually going to give me relevant news when I need it. All right. I just want news that's critically, <laughs> that we can think critically through. I'm just, us. I just feel like half of these people don't understand critical thinking 101. I just right. want to put all of them in the class. <laughs> <laughs> Critical thinking people. Critical yeah, thinking. I think if we could force everybody to sign up that sign up for that, we'd have a lot of numbers because there's a lot of people that need some critical thinking. Because again, it is very much so what's going to get the oohs, the ahs, and the wows, and what's going to make people so emotionally enthralled that you know we can keep following it. We look at what happened in like Fer Ferguson and New York and all of these protests, right? All of those those the coverage really didn't come without some sense of a scandal right the coverage didn't come without some sense of like are these violent protests are people angry are people trying to kill police do people hate police we didn't have coverage of these peaceful protests that are simple where people are simply saying that you know we want to have a discussion we want to have a seat at the table we want people to rethink some policies rethink some procedures Th those things didn't get the coverage what got the coverage is these people are ranting and raving, and these people want to kill the police, and these people hate police and the anti-police rhetoric. And so people just kind of believe that that is what is going on, and that's the main message behind what's happening. And clearly, if you are part of any of the movements, if you participate in any of the marches, or you know somebody that did, you know that the reigning theme of for most of these protests are not, was not, has not been that. So... That's why we're here, and we hope here at Brunch Culture that we can continue to bring you guys relevant stuff to us, relevant things to our generation, to our people, to Black people, but not just to Black people, to white people, to Asians, to people across the, 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 the diaspora of race, to know that, hey, look, we have, there are things that impact us all, that affect us all, that's not just dealing with scandal, right? That's not just dealing with negative things. There are things that we all should be involved in and, and, and it should uh, be, be involved in and should be moving towards doing something. So that's my spiel. Yes, yes, yes. <sighs> all right. So we are about to get into our main topic. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Travis Williams, the financial advisor, man of God, husband, and our unofficial marriage counselor. Mr. Travis Williams, how's it going, bro? Man, it's going good. How you guys doing? We doing, doing good. good. Doing good. All right, so Travis, man, this is the topic of the young professionals on every young professional's mind, whether you're single and enjoy being single. Your mama probably asks you, your grandma asks you all the time, if you are single, when are you getting mm -hmm. married and when is marriage going to happen? So we just want to wrap with you a little bit about 
your thoughts on marriage. And we're going to start off with uh, the pre the, the, the pre marriage section. Um, so how do you feel about what what things that did you do or what things do you think young professionals should do prior to getting married to, in essence, prepare themselves? Um, now I think the biggest thing for me was just having wise counsel, people around us to help guide us through the process. Um, I think a lot of times as young professionals and young people, young zealous people in general, you know, we just super zealous and we got all the answers and um, we just go into it unaware, but we don't understand really the magnitude of, okay, I'm about to be with the same person maybe for the rest of my life. I should think about this. Right. This is the right person. Um, <laughs> and um, I think um, I think we bring a lot of baggage into marriage just of how we carry ourselves before before we were married. I mean, I was fortunate enough. Now, this is my, this is my, my, my after-Christ days. I didn't date anyone else but my wife before I got married. Now, before Christ, right, we ain't talking about that. We're talking about after <laughs> Jesus. Right. New creature, new creature, new creature. <laughs> new creature, yeah. All things are new. I didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't date anyone except for her. And I think that was a blessing because I think a lot of times uh, before people think about marriage, before they consider it, you know, we go through so much with relationships and with people that, and we damage ourselves and we damage people's future spouses. And we don't even think about it like that. You know, you, you may be damaging somebody else's future wife or husband. Um, and so mm. I, I think that's a big part of it, man, is just preparing yourself before you even think about it. You may, if, if marriage is something you're considering, you're going to be someone's future husband or wife. And what you're doing now will impact your marriage before you even get there. So. That's that's what helped me the most. I was I was just blessed, lucky enough to just have, like the song said, I only have eyes for you. I mean, I had my eyes on her, and I got her. So uh, huh. that, that that helped a lot. So so it just and I want to focus on this. You know, just coming from a man's perspective, you you mentioned something in your talk. You're gonna be with this one this one woman for the rest of your life, right? And the reality mm-hmm. is. As men, as as a as young professional male, as a successful young professional male, you have access and a lot of options, right? How mm-hmm. do you how did you prepare your mind? How did you wrap your mind around saying I'm okay with just being with this one woman for the rest of my life? Was it a Christ factor? Was it the fact that of your your relationship with Christ that 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 fueled that, or was that something that you had gotten together you had gotten together before uh, before Christ? Oh, um, that was Jesus. Amen. Um, Amen. That was, uh, I think I think it, it I mean, just with with my background and what Christ has kind of delivered me from, not kind of but has, mm-hmm. um, it definitely was a God a God thing, uh, and I think He just renewed my mind, my heart, and marriage is something as a kid that I wanted, but you know, me before Christ, I just you, you couldn't have told me that I'd be married. You know, years in a marriage of this age, uh, you couldn't have told me that. So definitely, it's it, definitely Jesus, man. I don't want to be around the bush on that. Just God just renewing my mind, and I believe Him. You know, when He said marriage is between a man and a woman, and I believe that she can fulfill everything that I need to be fulfilled for the rest of my life. Uh, everything. So everything. So <laughs> it definitely. Um, it definitely is a God thing. That, that, that takes faith. 
Did, a lot of faith to believe that, so. did you have any, what was your biggest fears going into marriage? Cause I know like we talked about it before, like we're afraid of divorce. We're afraid of seeing what other people, bad experiences, you know, right. afraid of picking the wrong one. What, what, what were your biggest fears? Man. Um, my biggest fears was my inadequacy. Was I going to be able to live up to the standard that, I knew God had for marriage. I didn't see a lot of marriages growing up. There's only one marriage I really saw growing up. That was my grandparents. Amen. And, you know, they had a long, tenured marriage, but I can't say necessarily I looked at their marriage and said, that's what I want. I wanted the tenure, but maybe not in the way they had their tenure, if, if, if I'm making sense. So mm -hmm. the right. deal was, man, I don't see marriage. I don't see an example of the husband that I want. I didn't really see it growing up. So I was like, dang it, am I going to really be able to do this? Like, am I going to be able to provide for her? Am I going to be able to give her all the things that she needs? So that was my biggest thing. It's just fear of inadequacy that I can't do what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I really wasn't tripping about all this other stuff. And then fear of me, I'll say one more thing, fear of me messing up and screwing up. Mm -hmm. dropping the ball and um, just messing up what I feel like God had given me. So those are the main things that I just had to uh, pray about and continue to pray about even to this day. It's, it's not like those fears have just gone and passed away. I mean, some of them still linger. So, I mean, after, you know, I know you had the, the wedding. I was at your wedding. Um, I was too. Oh, yeah, you were. I remember <laughs> you now. I was there, but Hey, y'all forgot I was at the wedding. I I, I did. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, they forgot I was at the wedding. That's, no, no. that's sad. I think Randall was looking for Randall was looking for his Sarah, but he was like, coming out. Randall was scouting at the wedding. Right, um, I was on the turn up crew trying to make it happen. <laughs> but uh, after the I do, because I think that's the people plan. You know to get married and they're so focused on getting the ring, getting married that they don't realize that it's a marriage. Like, and that's a big deal afterwards. Right. That's more important that they plan for the wedding, but don't plan for the marriage. And my parents always tell me that they say love may be blind, but marriage is an eye opener. Do you? I'm about to write that song. Y'all remember Eve had that song. Love is blind. I'm going to write the song. Yeah. Marriage is an eye opener. Hey, <laughs> and it will open your eyes. New music, new music, new music. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm all right. <laughs> what it was it was it like that for you? Was it an eye opener? Man, when people ask me how marriage is, I tell them it is a beautiful adjustment. That's been my synopsis of marriage over these last couple of years. It is a beautiful adjustment. One of my favorite um, scriptures that really, this, this scripture, honestly, Lisa, made me think longer about marriage. Um, the scripture in, um, in Proverbs basically says it's a, it's a trap or it's dumb for someone to say something is holy. This is holy. This is a vow. I'm going to take it. And then after that vow, make an inquiry about it. So, like what you just mentioned, so many people just jump into marriage. They know it's a holy commitment. They know that 
it's something that's honorable before God, but they don't make a lot of inquiry before. They jump in it, I want this banging out wedding, but then forget after that I do, life happens. And um, marriage was a huge album for me. It really showed me, it showed me a lot of my weaknesses and a few of my strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. That, that's really what it did the most. It just, a lot of my weaknesses were put on the forefront, but then also some of my strengths were, were showed as well. So, I open it as an understatement. Hmm. So how do you, knowing that you said that it, it shows you a lot of your weaknesses and just some of your strengths, how do you deal with that, um, with those weaknesses? And I'm just saying, just naturally, as men, you know, we want to be on top of things. We have this kind of like natural pride that's infusing us. And so we want to make sure, you know what I'm saying, we're doing everything right, particularly if we are on top of our game and other areas of our lives. How do you manage and maintain and keep your 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 sanity uh, being married and then having all of these inadequacies pop up and you, you have to deal with them? I think the biggest thing is that I have to realize that I'm married now. And a part of being married is God gives you a suitable help me. So God has blessed me with a wife that can smooth out the edges, the rough edges of my weaknesses. Hmm. And I can't look at myself because, like you mentioned, Randall, as men, we are a solution and problem solvers. And, right. and we want to be the person to solve the problem. Well, I've learned that this young lady that God has blessed me with has been some of the solutions to my problems or my weaknesses. Hmm. Um, and sometimes I just I don't have to look past her. The way she handles things, her perspective on things, uh, the way she thinks, her outlook on life helps to change some of my weaknesses. And she don't she don't hold her tongue either, so she'll tell me. So that helps she, too. She old Duval. She's an old Duval woman. She ain't yeah. holding her tongue for nobody. You couldn't tell to open up. But that definitely that that's the way I think. It's the biggest thing. When you realize that, okay, I'm on a team now, and I, I love sports, so on a team, you expect your teammates to help you with some of your weaknesses. Right. You expect them to cover you, and that's what I have is a covering and someone that can help me in the areas that I'm weak on, um, and there are many ways that she's helped me. Wow. Right. When you when you, when you you advise people on what they should look for or the danger zones because I, I know you know when in the dating phase you're kind of blinded by you know this idea of who a person is right mm-hmm. and you miss the warning signs oh oh they really can be crazy like really they mm-hmm. didn't deal with their childhood like mm-hmm. oh I'm, mm-hmm. I might not like them when they're angry like I, I yeah. might want to pay attention to it what things yeah. that what are, what are the things you like when you talk to somebody and they're like, I'm going to get married to her, and you're like, oh, you sure? What are those, <laughs> what are those things? <laughs> um, oh, wow, wow. Um, I'll start with the fellas. I'll start with the fellas. I'm, I'm hard on men. I, I think we should be hard on ourselves. It's, it's a big, it's a, it's a, a big uh, responsibility to, to be a, a good husband, a decent husband, um, and strive to be a great one. So, I mean, when, when I think it's the small things. If the guy you're looking at is late to work every day, if he's 
inconsistent in everyday things of life. Um, if he's not a good worker at his job, um, if he can't stay at the same church for more than six months, I mean, if, <laughs> if he's changing constantly, if he can't stick with anything, there's always something that's wrong and there's always something that he's trying to, he can't, he can't stick with anything, then maybe he won't stick with you too. Uh, and so that is a big thing to look out for. And what I've seen is, I mean, if the if the joke is still staying with his mama, he ain't got no plans of moving out. I mean, oh, no. him, that's great. <laughs> that's great that you said. I think sometimes we get so deep, we get so deep, and we oh, he loved Jesus. That's great. It's a lot of men that love Jesus. It's a lot of them. <laughs> Just say what they want. And, and, and I've been Jesus, loving Jesus no for. <laughs> I've been loving him, you know. I was loving Jesus before I was ready to be married to anybody, anybody. So I think the the practical things, we really, we really don't look at the practical things. And what God has called men to, to serve and to lead, how is he doing it already? And then for women, I mean, just what, what's her personality like? How does she act around other men? What's her track record? And, and, and I, I got to pause on that. Who are her home? Because uh, I'm not, I have a bad track record, so let me go there. But um, watch how ladies carry themselves. Watch how she carries herself around other men, around other women, because um, you want a lady that you can trust. And can she be trusted in these natural things of life? And so but those are the warning signs that that I look at and when I'm talking to people about marriages, how's their natural life? I mean, it's first natural and spiritual, so naturally, how do they handle themselves? And that'll tell a lot about the spiritual, too. That's true. The one thing I just want to throw in there, and I kind of mentioned, look, you got to look at our homegirls, bro. Homegirls mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. the, the yeah. issue. Homegirls ruin 85% of relationships. <laughs> I've Randall, to- you got you to gotta let this go. No, Sometimes- no, uh-uh, no, because... <laughs> It could be something simple, bruh. Like, you you came five minutes late on the date to come pick you up. Her homegirl, oh, child, you need to leave him. You need to let him go. He's sorry. He no good. Now, you done did everything else right. And then she'd be like, well, I just think you need to work on this. Oh, because her homegirl told me. 85% of relationships are wrecked because of homegirls. Homegirls are the enemy. You got to look at, you got to examine the homegirls. If a homegirl's ratchet, just keep walking. She come up that innocent. No, I'm the good one in the bunch. Nah, cuz. <laughs> don't, don't, don't work. Run. <laughs> I, I, I would I would I, I would agree with that partially. Uh, because I, I do think my wife my wife has some solid friends. And um you know, I, I would agree with that because I want to know that if if me and her are beefing or we ain't on the same page, I want to. I want to know that hey, the, the women that she goes and talks to, first of all, they're gonna point her to Jesus. But second of all, they're just gonna give a wise counsel. So I think that's a very, a very valid point. I'm, I'm trying to tell you, bro. I'm trying to tell you, man. Homegirls. <laughs> 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 no, nah, but what? What other thing? Uh, wanted to ask you, and this is, you know, this is something that I think that. Uh, is on my mind. It stays on my mind. Again, kind of like yourself, as you mentioned, you didn't grow up seeing a lot of successful marriages or a lot of marriages in general. And so one of the things that kind of haunts me is this idea of divorce. Um, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you think that do you think that's something that 
you should you got you when you find a woman two people get together you guys should talk about beforehand the possibility of divorce how that should look particularly i know you're in the financial field so partic- particularly when it comes to uh finances money the assets you build those things yeah how do how do, do you think that that's something that you should look you should talk about beforehand i know a lot of people say well you know marriage is forever so i don't want to deal with that and i'm just just being me i feel like no I, I i want this to be forever but the reality of it is it, it may not be so let's cook let's put up a plan let's get a prenup which is simply a plan of how this will go out how do you feel about that um so i definitely think you've got to man amos says how can two people walk together unless they agree so you've got to find some common ground on what your mindset is on divorce um, okay. And that's something that we discussed before marriage. I mean, we, we had someone that took us through counseling and we made a commitment. I mean, that divorce will not be an option. And, and that's a faith statement. I mean, that, that is a faith statement because there are biblical reasons why if one of us screwed up, we biblically have the right to divorce each other. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but that's a statement that we made that, hey, Divorce will not be an option for us. Like we're going to stick this thing out. Like it is till death do us part that we're going to stick this thing out. So I think you've got to, and if you can't agree on that with someone, maybe you shouldn't marry that person in the first place. If y'all can't agree on how y'all think about divorce and how do y'all want to handle things that come up. So I definitely think it's something that has to be discussed. And if you're in denial about it and you can't discuss it, and you just want to brush it over, what are you going to do when real stuff starts happening in your marriage? So you got to talk about that. Right. Um, prenup. Um, man, that, man is such a, that, is, that is such a, uh, that's such a sticky one. I, I don't, I don't have one. I don't plan on getting one. Um, I, I don't, I, I think sometimes we forget that marriage leaves us very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be vulnerable like that because we've seen other people get burnt and we've seen other situations and we've seen all these bad things happen, you know, people's money get taken and having to start over. But I'm just, I mean, and, and some people may say you're naive, you're whatever, but I, I'm just, I want to be vulnerable. I, I've, I've made a commitment to be vulnerable and I, my wife has as well. Um, and I think that's just the stance that I've taken is that love, sacrificial love makes you very vulnerable. And am I vulnerable to that happening? Yes, I, I am. Um, but I've got faith that we're going to make this thing work and we're going to stick it out. And divorce is not an option. It's not something that we have on the table when, when things come up. So I don't have a prenup. Don't plan on getting one. I wouldn't condemn somebody who got one, but I just think, that plants a seed in your mind of a way of escape hmm. for your marriage. And a marriage, a marriage is not a, is not a jail where you can't escape from it. That's not what it is, but it's a, it's not a contract either. It's, it's, it's a covenant, bro. I've been on locked up. They won't let me out. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a covenant that you enter into with somebody. Yeah, and um, yeah, it shouldn't be entering into life. But what you're in, once you're in it, I think especially us as believers, 
once we're in that covenant, I mean, marriage is like Christ in the church. Uh, last time I checked, when I read Christ, don't plan on leaving us. You don't have plenty of reasons to leave us. I know mm-hmm. I'm about me personally, but he ain't walking out. Yeah. And I want my marriage to be like that, bro. That's that's what I want my marriage to be like. I want my marriage to tell the truth about God. Oh, wow. And that's powerful. His, his truth. His truth is redemptive. His truth is forgiving. It's sacrificial. His love is vulnerable. His love leaves, left him open on a cross. His love left him open for attack. His love left him just wide open to the world. But he did that because he loved us. And so our marriages are an example of how Christ loves the church. And so that's what I want my marriage to speak. And I don't want any seed being planted that makes me think, hey, Travis, you got a way out. You know, you got a stash over there in another account that, hey, if you trip, you know, you can go do what you I, – I don't even want that seed planted and festering in my mind. So that's just a chance – that's just a stance that we've decided to take on it, man, and we're just praying that God keep us. Wow, that's that's definitely powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that is, is the true definition of unconditional love to stay there and stick it out and not look for a way out. And to be vulnerable to that's, I mean, I think that's something that uh, I know I struggle with, but something that I think we can all agree that we struggle with in this day and age, this idea of having to be perfect and to admit that you want to be vulnerable and you're signing up to be vulnerable. That's, that's real love, bro. Yeah. yeah. And we wish you and Kristen all the best. And we know that you, you both have a passion for marriage and are a a light to young professionals on how to, you know, live and be young professionals and marry and make it work. Um, So we thank you. We thank you for being on the show as well. Oh, man, thank you, guys. It was an honor and a privilege to be on Brunch Culture. I made it, man. Well, thank you so much, Travis, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again. All right, anytime. I love to travel out with you guys. And now it's time for our random topic. So today's random topic is pretty bizarre. I actually found out about this on Instagram. Candy Burris, actually, I follow her on Instagram, and she uh, posted this picture of legs and a hold and a firefighter like trying to dig this woman out and she had like this caption under it that was pretty funny and so looking at it realized that this lady had been stuck got stuck in a chimney because she was trying to get into her husband's uh or her ex-husband's home really crazy right this happened in riverside county uh in california It says, Tony Hernandez, the homeowner, identified the woman as the mother of his children and says that he did not want her in the house. The the 35-year-old woman was reported stuck at about 5 a.m. And uh, he told the the guy, Tony, Mr. Hernandez, he was apparently he heard his wife or or the mother of his, his children. It doesn't say if she's his wife or not, but he heard her calling his name. So he got up and he went to the door, didn't see her, went to the windows, didn't see her there. And he said he responded, uh, where are, where are you at? And she said, I'm trapped in the chimney. <laughs> so he said he tried to get her out from the top of the chimney and it was too hard. So he had to call p- firefighters 
and they had to come and they basically had to break down, break in the brick to pull her out. <laughs> now, I just, you know, I've heard about like, you know, women doing some crazy things and, you know, coming and stalking people and, and, and sleeping outside on the driveway or, you know, peeping into the window, but trying to get into the house through climbing through the wind, the, through the uh, chimney, like you Santa Claus. <laughs> this is a whole new level of like craziness like th this. And I, I, you know how I feel, but I, I tread lightly to say that I'm pretty sure her homegirls at some point in time told her that this was a good idea. So she, she probably thought... acted alone. <laughs> I don't... The, with the influence of homegirls, one of her homegirls is probably like, girl, he got a chimney. You know, you can climb in there. Santa Claus climb in there and he fat. I just want to stand up for homegirls across the world because <laughs> I have some amazing homegirls that don't let me do stupid things. Because I sometimes, I if I'm in my feelings, I want to do something crazy. But Your it's home my homegirls that help me, you know, process my emotions and say, Lisa, I don't think you need to do that. You know, because they're comforters. We talked about that last week, the six people you need in your life. Um, homegirls are rare. Most homegirls be on some climb through the chimney, see what he doing. I bet he got somebody in there with your kids, girl. That's why this lady got stuck in the chimney. Now, this is we we're talking about this lady. She probably is an upstanding lady. I'm pretty sure she has a good job. She's a concerned mother about her kids. But you climbing through chimneys though, like you I mean, ain't got the a, right counts. That's, that's a little crazy. Yeah, she need to, <laughs> she need to listen to episode thirty. <laughs> she didn't have a confidence because she didn't process her pain in right. the right place and get some. So, she needed a confident counselor. And a somebody ain't love. <laughs> she need all of the above, right? Somebody <laughs> ain't love this lady, right? Ain't love yeah. her right at all. And we don't know what he did to her. You know, we always talk about the woman and she what she did. Crazy. Somebody made you crazy. I mean, makes you, have you, crazy. Pers you have to take personal uh, wait, wait, wait. responsibility for your actions, but what has Make he done? you crazy enough to climb through the chimney, like... <laughs> I mean, you know, you can, you never know what's going to push a person to the edge and what she suppressed. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to see both views because I, I don't know what made this lady. Something made her climb through the chimney. People just don't she, juice. She snapped. You ever seen, um... You ain't seen Wedding to Exhale when she blew? She Somebody? Uh, who made Left Eye Burn That Stuff? <laughs> who made... Uh, I'm not condoning this. I don't but, think violence is the answer. But people snap. And you never know what's going to push a person to snap. You got to be careful. In those situations, they like they weren't trying to investigate. They knew what was going on. They just wanted to burn some stuff up to make them feel better. This chick wanted to climb through the chimney. Now, if she got in there, he was in there with another woman. What she was going to do? What she... I don't know. I was scared. Somebody was going to die. Because <laughs> if she Just did all that work. Chip. <laughs> you know what? She probably she probably was just trying to give him a present. Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus, man, I'm telling you. She was, she, she was trying to do a good deed. This lady, they think she crazy. She's just trying to be Santa Claus to this man. Her kids still. They said the kids was in the the kids was in the house, so she this believed. Santa took her kids, and he ain't letting her see them. It might have been more about the children than it was about. See, it's so many. This, this it, the 
people want to paint this lady as bad. I don't know this lady. I'm just going to try to defend her because she could have been suppressing some emotions. A mother and a child relationship is serious. And when you pull that away, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is crazy. I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be for the people. What you think, Randall? Look here. I think that the people is crazy. And the people probably got some crazy homegirls that told her it was okay to climb through this chimney to find this man. Now she done got stuck. And this man got to repay to repair his entire house. Because the fire department going to tear it out and get her out of there. But ain't nobody going to pay for it. He, I'm sure his insurance not going to pay for it. Because they going to be like, look here, bruh. You got a crazy woman. <laughs> that's on you. You got to pay for this. So now this man got to take food out of his kid's mouth to repay to get his home rebuilt because you want to climb through the chimney and get stuck. That's crazy. We shouldn't have to deal with that. <laughs> yes. I, I I agree. I agree. Um, but now it's time for our quote of the week. Today's quote of the week comes from Hart Ramsey. It says, success made me a liked man. Failure made me a compassionate man. Success gave me a voice. Failure gave my voice a heart. And you know what? Sometimes we get down on ourselves for making a mistake for failing. I get that. But failure humbles us. And every experience serves a purpose. So instead of seeing it as, man, I really messed up, okay, get back out and try it again. Do what you can. Right. And I think when you when, when I first saw that quote, when you first posted it, I was I fell in love with it because I feel like it speaks to my story in general. It speaks to this place of, you know, being at a place of being better off, having more privilege, but still understanding, you know, those people that may not be in a position that I'm in now or may not have had the experience that I've had because I one time I've at once upon a time have been there. So I think this quote is great. And I think that going throughout this week, this is something that you know, we should all think about, we should all, I, I'll even say, I mean, we've posted it to Brunch Culture page, like repost it to your page, post it up on your desk at work, uh, put it in your phone. Like, I think that this is something that we have to be mindful of and know that no matter how successful you are, those failures are relevant. Those failures help you relate to people and those failures are going to be ultimately what's going to help you move to the next level. So again, guys, Thank you so much for listening to Brunch Culture. This has been episode 31. We are so appreciative of you guys for following the show, listening to the show, being supportive, giving us your feedback, interacting with us on social media. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our email list at www.brunchculturebc.com. Check us out on Twitter at Brunch Culture and Instagram at Brunch underscore culture and like our Facebook page. That's facebook.com backslash Brunch Culture. Remember here at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion.